0: Hello, hello.
1: Hello, hello, hello. Hello,
0: (laughs) it's Linda and Drew Scott here. This is At Home. This is At
1: Home. It is our show where we chat with artists, experts, leaders, dreamers and doers on the impact they're creating in the world starting right here at home.
0: This is where we take the time to learn about our relationships with ourselves, our community and the planet because we truly believe that if there's any difference we want to make out there, it all starts right here where we are with ourselves at home. this has been quite the week of celebration for Linda. Oh,
1: I am pooped and rejuvenated, repupinated. Even though she hasn't
0: <laughs> actually pooped in two days, but that's beside no, the point. No,
1: I finally went. Oh, I did good. some squats.
0: TMI, but we, we like TMI. to share. That is TMI.
1: Thanks, Drew. We had- I wasn't going to get into that, but <laughs> yes, I have had an amazing week of birthday celebrations and, I feel so loved and relaxed and just so thankful.
0: Why don't you just tell everybody all the lovely things oh you did? Oh my
1: goodness. this That's going to be the whole episode. But okay, I'll try to be quick. Okay, so it all started a couple days before my birthday. It started early. Um, Drew said that he was going to take me out on a date and he told me to get dressed up. like, And I was like, well, like how dressed up? Like ball gown? He's like, no, like casual Puglia dressed up. So I was like, like Puglia, super, the town
0: where we were married. Yeah. yeah.
1: You were going to say born. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was. Um, so I get dressed and then I go to the backyard and everyone is there. The, the family is there. Part of our family is there to surprise me with a backyard Hawaiian-themed pizza party.
0: Oh, we had hula it dancers? Was
1: amazing. So we
0: call it hula dancers? Yeah. Our nieces and nephew so dressed cute. up with their grass skirts and their <laughs> delays and all that, and we're dancing.
1: We had a dance party, and uh, I had durian cake. Oh,
0: gosh. So And
1: I was the only one, well, plus my sister.
0: Linda's sister, Hannah, loves it. So durian, if you don't know, <laughs> it's a spiky fruit that smells like garbage. Uh, it is...
1: I'm so offended, but it's true.
0: It's true. It (laughs) is tasty, but it smells like like garbage.
1: Oh, so you do like it.
0: I don't mind it. It's just I don't like the smell. I think we can get tasty things without the smell.
1: Yeah, but it's so different. It's so unique. Anyway, it was a durian cake that was in the shape of durian. Uh, so after, loved it.
0: after Linda's little uh, pizza party Hawaiian themed, uh, then I took her away for two nights just to yeah. a cabin in the woods, mm-hmm. just completely remote. Literally all we could hear outside were the birds chirping and me heavy breathing.
1: It was so nice just to have no plans other than sit outside under trees and I soaked my feet in the tub and I doodled and painted and journaled.
0: And for me, I think it's it was the perfect way for us to get in touch with the earth. On Earth Day. On Earth Day. It was
1: so beautiful. Thank you. You're welcome. And then, <laughs> Drew's like, okay, wrap this up. But it's not my fault. When we got home from our little getaway, um, Drew's like, okay, as soon as we get home, you only have time to pee and change. And I'm like, can I poop? And he's like, no, you don't have time to poop. And he's like, okay, if you really need to poop, you can poop. But obviously now that I know I'm rushed, I couldn't go. So I change, he said, put on something flowery and I'll match you. So he takes me around to the backyard again. And I go, I walk to the back and I see Anna Lee all dressed up in this pretty flower dress. And then I see... Hannah, my sister and Tonelli and then this beautiful and they're all also dressed in pretty flowery dresses and this beautiful picnic enchanted high tea setup up in the middle of our backyard with pretty flowers and scones and sandwiches. It was sandwiches. tea time, it was little so
0: sandwiches trendy. and everyone was dressed in the theme of Ugh. Linda's enchanted high tea.
1: Oh, I loved it. I had such a lovely, lovely, lovely time and. Um, and we stuffed our faces and had wonderful conversation.
0: And then tomorrow's my birthday and all I'm going to do is sit inside, no <laughs> one around and watch movies all day. I'm going to do a marathon. By yourself? I'm going to do like a Marvel marathon.
1: Oh, what, y- what movies do you want to marathon? Marvel. Marvel? Yeah. Just just Start Marvel? at the beginning. Really? See
0: how many I can get through.
1: It's- You're going to be sitting there until next year. Well, there are a lot
0: of Avengers movies, but you know, I think I can, I don't know. We'll see. Maybe X-Men. Who knows?
1: That's all you want. It's
0: all I want. I just want you and I'll, I'll torture you by making you sit with me the whole time.
1: (laughs) No, I like, I like watching those movies.
0: But it's i uh, I'm a simple man. I don't need, not that you needed all the, the fanciness that we threw for you, but yeah, that was, was a lot. It was. Yeah. I don't need that. I
1: appreciate it and I love everyone for doing it, but it, it does feel weird sometimes to accept all of that. And I have to learn how to embrace it and accept it. And it feels really nice. Wait,
0: now you're not, you're not planning anything big for me, right? Uh,
1: um, nope.
0: Are you actually? Because mm-hmm. I don't want anything big. I mean, just seriously, that's me taking you away on that little adventure and stuff was like a treat for myself. It was really well. just for you. Yeah. So <laughs> I think if you, you know, could make Yorkshire pudding um, and I don't know, movies all day, that's all I need. In bed? Yeah. No, in the theater. So demanding. That has been our week. Mm -hmm. Uh, Also, uh, one thing that I am excited about is, if you guys saw during the climate summit, President Biden announced that the US would work to cut the global warming emissions by half by the end of this decade. And I think that's pretty amazing. I mean, it's one thing to say it. I want to see how this rolls out and the effort that they make. But it's ambitious. And if they can do this, I think it's absolutely amazing and such a great example to set for the rest of the world.
1: Mm-hmm. When they can do this. When, When we, yes. when we can do this.
0: When, well. and that's actually, that's exactly it. This is not something that just Biden's administration tackles on their own. We all need to be a part of this. And so I, I really, it's exciting to see them lead the way to greater change for our planet. So thank you, announcing during Earth Month.
1: Yeah. And when I hear about this stuff, I get really excited. And then I also think, okay, well, how can we continue to ramp up the changes we make in our own homes and in our mm-hmm. own lives. Because um, it is easy just to rely on, on policy. Of course, it trickles down, hopefully. Um, but from, from the ground up as well, we can make a lot of difference in oh, yeah. our smaller communities. Definitely.
0: All the little things can make a huge difference. And I think, I mean, hopefully you guys have listened to some more of our episodes this month. Uh, And you follow on social media because we've been actually posting a lot of different things or talking to amazing guests who have had little tips and tricks for what we can do at home. Mm -hmm. And our One Tree Planted efforts have been going well. Thousands of people have donated to plant trees.
1: And I'm not going to let Drew forget that he promised that with every thousand trees planted, so anytime we hit a thousand tree milestone, Drew said he is going to do a minute cold plunge. So we're at four and a half minutes right now.
0: Oh, gosh.
1: And we would really love for you to help us reach our goal of planting 10,000 trees by the end of the month.
0: And by the way, question for you, um, because yeah, we're going to match what we raise from people donating. And so does that mean that I also have to do it for everything that we match? Yeah. Wait, so then I'm causing my own pain with having to do a cold plunge for everything that we match.
1: It's for your own benefit, for your own health.
0: Oh man, it's worth it though.
1: Yes, it's going to be worth it laughing at you.
0: We've had some really, (laughs) it it is, I do not like cold. Um, But we've had some uh, great comments as well. As people are donating to plant trees, they're leaving little messages for us. So thank you to everyone who has left a message.
1: Yes, Brad, Andrea, Jacqueline, Cherie, JD, Annalie, Nicole, Sandy. There were so many of you and we're so excited. So, Tui said, my eight-year-old wanted to plant trees in his grandparents' home country, Vietnam, for Earth Day. Happy birthday. Thank you so much. That's super cool.
0: Linnell said, happy trees make for happy bees, so happy bee day. (laughs) (laughs) Cubes, I, I do love it. So thank you to everyone for being a part of what we're trying to do here. We are one big community. Our planet is one big community and we're here to support each other. And so as a reminder, we'll have this in the show notes, but $1 donated is equal to one tree and we're working with One Tree Planted. And if you checked out my Instagram live this past week with Diana, she's a canopy director at One Tree Planted. It was great to hear some of her insight from their side of things and where Hmm. they plant.
1: So help us plant trees, even if it's not with this fundraiser with One Tree Planted. If it's in your backyard, amazing.
0: Absolutely amazing. This month on At Home Podcast, we've been focusing our conversations on our planet. We've partnered with the amazing organization, EMMA. And for over 30 years, the Environmental Media Association has been a source of education and entertainment, providing a unified voice for the planet.
1: And Emma Talks is a conversation program that was born out of the need to highlight voices of scientists, doctors, innovators, and simply remarkable people doing important work to help sustain our planet and its people.
0: You can watch all of our Emma Talks at home on green4ema.org. So that's the number four, green4ema.org and on both Emma and at-home social channels.
1: Mm-hmm. And today's chat is all about the connection between ocean health and human health.
0: This week, we are beyond excited and honored to be having a conversation with fellow Emma board members and close friends, Ashlyn and Philippe Cousteau, about their amazing foundation, Earth Echo International.
1: Earth Echo is a nonprofit that works to inspire youth all over the world to act now for the future of our planet.
0: Most recently, Ashlyn wrote Oceans for Dummies, a fun and easy to understand book explaining the entire ocean, the ecosystems, history, climate, currents, species and more, published February of 2021.
1: Together, Ashlyn and Philippe dedicate their life's work to share their love of exploration, nature, adventure, all to empower and educate the world through storytelling.
0: I get excited talking to these guys, so I think we should stop and just dive right in with Ashlyn and Philippe Cousteau. Dive. I didn't even notice I did that. Dive. (laughs) Okay, if ADT wasn't professional enough, now ADT installs Google Nest products with their smart home security systems because ADT believes the smarter the home, the safer the security.
1: I mean, what are they going to do next? They're going to start a country singing career.
0: I would listen to a country band named ADT. Also, I like to know what's happening at our front door from virtually anywhere with my Google Nest doorbell. Just saying. Your
1: Google Nest doorbell? I said our. He said my. Everybody check that. Yeah. All right. Well, I like to control my ADT smart devices like my lights, my locks.
0: <laughs> my security system with Google Nest speakers and displays.
1: And I like to say, hey, Google, to get started.
0: Listen, I said ours. I'm all about ours, not mine help protect what matters most with all this, plus 24-7 professional monitoring from ADT and a little help from Google.
1: Visit ADT.com to see how ADT can help make your home smarter and safer.
0: It is so exciting for us to catch up. It's been too long. How have you been?
2: I know we miss you guys and and you're only a few miles away. We could like we can air hug. I know. Uh, it's we ca- miss you so much. Casualty <laughs>
3: of the coronavirus, but um, hopefully things are getting back to normal so we can all get together soon. Yeah,
2: yeah, well,
1: you've obviously had a very productive quarantine. We have your new book right here. hmm And it's amazing. I'm I'm learning and relearning so many things. Honestly, right off the bat, on the first page, I was like, I didn't know this. I have a challenge
0: because <laughs> I've been reading through. All right. Let's see if Linda knows this because I've already gotten, oh, I, I'm great. sort of like the halfway through and I like to go all over from front to back.
1: He's such a nerd.
0: All right. Let's see if we all know what are the different quadrants of the oceans?
1: Let's ask the expert. I know this. <laughs> okay, but no. I, I know. I, I created an, an acronym, PISA, nope. PAISA. P-A-I-S-A. Is that what you're asking? Pacific? Or? Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh Indian. I'm not gonna do it in the Pisa format. Okay. Arctic, Southern, and Atlantic. Atlantic.
2: Yep. Bravo. So, there you go. Bravo. Do I
0: pass? Am I official? Do I get a sticker or something?
3: Uh, we're se- we'll send you your certificate. There's a there's a tattoo. It's an entire back tattoo. From <laughs> perfect.
0: I have a dolphin on the lower half, so it's also very oceanian.
3: Uh, yes, Oceanic. Right. So it'll fill right in. <laughs> it'll, it'll, it'll it'll be perfect.
2: But it's true. Like that's that was one of those things where there so many people just assume that our our globe is made up of different oceans. And Philippe and I, that was our biggest kind of uh, a quandary when we were trying to put the title of the book together. You know, it's technically not oceans. It's only one ocean that is all around the world. But everybody calls it our oceans. So we went with oceans for dummies. Um, but here's and- the
0: other thing that I, I like about how you named your book, because we call this Earth. But you guys really bring up the point that what is the majority of Earth? water
3: exactly the ocean. <laughs> why is it something we don't think about you know and, and continues to be I mean, underestimated and undervalued um in the world today and, and you know when we were approached originally by wiley publishing they were like hey do you have any ideas for the four dummies for our four dummies series and we did some research and we were like wow there's like four dummies books for everything but there is not one about the ocean which is the majority of this planet. Yeah. Um, so putting that together has been a, a project the last year, one of many. And and it's just a reminder of, of how oftentimes out of sight, out of mind, the ocean is, yeah. even though it's the thing that like makes life on Earth possible. So. Oh,
0: definitely.
1: Yeah. And I think, I mean, I could have sworn that we were taught oceans Yep. Right. Probably were. Okay. It's
2: not. It's not just me. Because when oh, it- no, okay. we were all taught that, and okay. I think that it's actually been like kind of. A, it's been a movement kind of recently to be like, yes, there are different ecosystems. There's different oceans around the globe, but they're all connected. So it really yeah. is just one continuous giant ecosystem. Um, because what happens in the Southern Ocean, what happens around Antarctica, is actually what feeds the tropics, and yeah. it. So the, it's literally from food all goes all the way down from the Southern Ocean, all the way up and around into the tropics and back up into the Arctic where it gets nutrients again and they come back down. That's also what controls the, 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 the climate and the temperature of our entire Earth. So it's like it just people think that the, the poles are so far away, but really they regulate everything that we do pretty much every day.
3: Yeah.
0: Well, and, and like you said, too, in your books, you're talking about how, you know, some people may think, oh, we're in the middle of the desert. We're not really affected by the oceans the same way. No, everything is affected by the ocean. And you were talking about ecosystems. I want to talk about a very specific ecosystem. It's called Earth Echo International.
1: You stole my segue. I <laughs> Segway. I knew you were going to say that.
3: So <laughs> detail, tell us about the organization. Segway Master. The Segway King here. That's all well. I got. Um, well, you know, and, that, and that's it. So Earth, Oceans for Dummies, this book has been part of kind of our broader uh, vision and purpose in life, which is to help people connect the dots between the health of the environment and the health of ourselves and, and our security and our economy and really life as we know it. And so um, another part of that is our work at Earth Echo, which is really focused on youth and focused on education. We've been around 15 years now, and it was founded as an organization inspired by my grandfather, Jacques Cousteau, and my father, Philippe Sr., uh, and their work and their focus and their belief that, you know, before we talk about conservation, we have to talk about education. And so we, we've reached over two million kids around the world uh, that we've activated with our programs of the last decade and a half. And uh, um, every year, hundreds of thousands, millions more. And we're really, really excited. about the growth that we've seen in in a new generation of young people that really care about these issues and really are fired up and engaged about these issues from Nigeria to Brazil to Australia to Los Angeles, I mean, mm-hmm. all over the world. And um, that's that's one of my my day jobs. And really, mm-hmm. frankly, amidst all the bad news that we hear about climate crisis and biodiversity cloud, all the stuff that's in the news, working with kids is really what gives me hope moving forward every day. Seeing their passion.
1: Yeah. yeah. And I, I think that gives the whole world um, you know, motivation to do better and do better now. Because when you have these kids telling us adults what to do, it's like, well, we got to get our act together. Like we have kids saying like, this is our future and we all need to work together now. Like it's, it's in everyone's hands. And yeah. I love the way you talk about um, education preceding conservation. In that same way, can we talk about how education of oceans can precede our talking about climate issues?
2: Yeah. That's a great point. I, and I think that, you know, when, when we talk about education, we don't just mean the students that Earth Echo uh, works with. We're also talking about uh, people in, in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, because You know, ocean literacy as a whole um, is lacking uh, in the United States, and it's lacking all around the globe. Um, I remember, you know, I took AP biology in high school and we didn't talk about the ocean at all. Um, And so it's just one of those things where the ocean is just kind of always second fiddle to everything else. But really, it is the most powerful and and one of the best solutions that we have to these huge crises that, that
3: we're facing. Well, to your point, Linda, like, like, for example, the climate crisis, climate change, it's an ocean problem. There was a recent survey that uh, Pew Charitable Trust did around the world asking world leaders to rank the issues that they that they think are most important. Climate change tended to be towards the top, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. ocean conservation, ocean health towards the bottom. Mm-hmm. And that's the disconnect that we're struggling with because it's the oceans as ashley explained earlier the poles for example that drive that interchange of warm and 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 cold energy throughout the planet that drives our climate which thus drives our weather which means crops and rainfall food uh you know and all of these different things that we take for granted and maybe don't connect the dots with 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 the ocean every day Mm -hmm. but do have but are related to the ocean and, and the fisheries that feeds so many billions of people every year and the economic value of the ocean that is in the trillions uh, for the global economy every year. And, and so um, fundamentally, when we don't understand the ocean and how the ocean works, we are, we're lacking in enough, enough appreciation for thus the solutions and what we need to do to solve these big problems like climate change. We need to solve ocean problems in order to solve all these other problems.
2: Yeah, as, as carbon continues to be such a huge issue from all the fossil fuels that we're burning, you know, our, our ocean is our largest carbon sink. It has absorbed over half of all of the carbon emissions that we put into the into our atmosphere. Now, the problem with that is, as it absorbs the carbon, it actually um, becomes more acidic um, and it becomes warmer for, for other reasons as well. So what we are doing is hurting the ocean Then when the ocean is hurt, it can't help us the way that it is. So it's almost like it's, um, we need to make sure that that when we are making these decisions, we're really thinking about the ocean and how it can be helpful. Because if we can get 70% of our planet, which is what the ocean covers, to help us, uh, it'll, it would be a good thing. <laughs>
0: yeah, it would be a great thing. I, I think that's our conversation here about carbon and, and what the ocean does to suck that carbon out of the air. Um, it reminds me of a documentary we watched not too long ago called Kiss the Ground and talking about dirt... Um, soil health and how the soil can actually help the same way in pulling carbon out of the air and it's actually the infrastructure of what you have for cover crop or whatever you may have, it helps keep more of that moisture in the ground but as we were learning more about how this soil is going to help every, everybody and it's going to help farmers and our climate, we start to understand too how it's the same cycle coming from the ocean because where's that water coming up? Over from uh, precipitation and then into the, into the soil so Literally, there is no hierarchy of uh, order of what's important. It's all one big, important conversation. And a part of that, too, is the food side of things with the ocean that you guys talk about. You mentioned you know, how it has enough protein. The ocean has enough protein to feed, you know, to feed over a billion people. Can you talk a bit more about that side?
2: Yeah, what's so interesting is if, if, if and when our ocean is, is healthy and abundant, it could feed what some experts think a billion people a day, a healthy seafood mm. diet, a 1 billion people a day. Um, and But the problem is, is right now, about 90% of all of our fish stocks around the globe are either fished at capacity or they're overfished. So literally what's happening is we're fishing ourselves out of fish. Um, but if we fish smarter, which means just making sure that uh, like some species of fish uh, actually become more uh, fertile the older they get, so if you leave one 80-pound, is it tuna? I forget if it's tuna I mean, or sturgeon. Tuna,
3: most species, tuna, surgeon. Any of the frozen. large, the
2: large predators, they actually will release one, one female, older female, can release more eggs than like 30 smaller ones. Wow. So it makes sense to leave that one older one and you can still fish the younger one. So it's it's we just need to be smarter about what we do. Um uh and and if we do have this this healthy, thriving system. We would be able to feed everybody on the planet and not just seafood. Uh, as you said, Drew, you know, the, the water cycle starts in the ocean. So a healthy ocean means healthy precipitation, which means healthy rains for all of our crops on land. Mm-hmm. Um, so really, the ocean is pretty much vital to anything. I'm just seeing as
1: you're describing all of these systems, like arrows everywhere, <laughs> yeah. everything's so connected. <laughs> and is. I think that's the great thing about um, your book is that you break everything down. I think even though it seems so obvious that oceans can save us if we save the oceans, I understand when people don't see that this affects their daily lives. Can you talk about how this is affecting our everyday?
3: Well, so when we think about, um, of course, the difference. First, the, the difference between climate and weather is something we go into in the book a little bit. In, in you know, a lot of people uh, forget what that difference is, and so you'll sometimes hear people, detractors, things like climate change, be like, "Oh, well, it's it's really cold in the middle of the summer in Texas, or there's snowstorms like we just had, you know, down in Texas." And so there's no such thing as climate change. I mean, remind people weather is the 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 the, the essentially what the weather looks like outside your window over a short period of time. Climate is what the weather is over a long period of time and the averages and over time the average uh, of our atmosphere and this planet has gotten warmer now that is something that has historically another another uh, trend that we look at in the book as we look at the history of the evolution of the planet and if there's one thing that we see over and over and over is these climatic changes that have happened throughout the the eons the millions and millions hundreds of millions billions of years that the earth has been around and what we've consistently seen is is these Fluctuations in carbon, the atmosphere getting warm, and then an ice age, and then warmth and the ice age, and warmth and ice age. And we've seen those changes, however, over hundreds of thousands of years. What the human beings have done is we've interrupted that carbon cycle, taken all that carbon that's been sequestered in the earth through oil and gas and coal, and artificially put it into the atmosphere. So we've accelerated these kind of climatic changes in the space of 150 years from hundreds of thousands of years. Mm. And and ultimately, what that does then is it's, is it's had these kind of tremendous impacts on weather. Um, so already today, we're seeing extreme storms that are affecting people. We're seeing more extreme storms every year than ever before, to the tune of the cost of, of, of tens of billions, if not hundreds of billions of dollars, to our, our economy. Uh, suffering, countless you know lives lost, suffering. We're seeing freak storms because of our jet streams and those large scale global climatic um phenomena are changing because again the ocean is getting warmer and its ability to transport heat and cold around the world is changing We're seeing things like jet streams change. So we're seeing these big polar vortexes where all of a sudden you're having this really cold weather come down into New England or into a place like Texas, which was Mm -hmm. just so devastating for so many people. And so those are just one example of the kinds of immediate impacts. We're seeing bigger or more powerful monsoons in some places and weaker monsoons in others. And so we're seeing already shifts in crops. We're seeing mass migrations of people in places like Africa and Southeast Asia driven by this today. And thus conflict that's starting to happen. And so connecting the dots, as you said, there's all these little arrows that go out on all yeah. over the place. When we start thinking and why we wanted to talk about the ocean today as a topic was really because this is something that that doesn't get enough attention, um, either here in the entertainment space, you know, in, in, in Los Angeles, or, or really around the world at the, at the conversations at the highest levels. Um, people recognizing that when we talk about ocean health, we're talking about our health, we're talking about human health, we're talking about our weather and our food and all of these other things that are affecting us already today every single day.
0: Yeah, and, and I think one, one thing that doesn't help is that there's so much misinformation out there um, or or just theories that maybe people have had that aren't based in any fact. And so people think that there's no hope. Um, and you- if
1: I can add a pun, it, the misinformation is drowning out the yes. science. Yes, <laughs> yes exactly. well, pun. Well done.
0: Give me that yeah. right there. Oh no, good one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <where's your> <laughs> yeah, <boom. laughs> Can you guys uh, talk a little bit about that, though? Maybe what what is some um, maybe you can do some myth busting here and let us know what are certain things that you've heard about the ocean specifically or just climate in general um, that is something that you've learned as misinformation that would be nice for people to know.
2: I mean, I think, uh, again, one of the biggest things is when you talk about climate change and people misconstrue climate for weather. So when you do have a, uh, you know, a snap cold front or a snap heat wave in during, you know, a time when it's supposed to be cold, people are like, well, see, it's not real. Uh, I remember one specific person during a um, winter in New York City, he was on a news organization and he said... Well, I just opened my window in New York City, and it's cold. So climate change isn't happening. That person was not fully informed. Is not fully informed of the really the difference between climate and weather, and there, the science. I mean, we have been looking at the uh, the temperature of our planet and the temperature of our ocean. We have been going back for hundreds of years, and you can't dispute the temperature readings from all around the globe they are steadily increasing
3: and even, even more thousands of years through core samples of coral reefs and That's ice true. right you know and ice uh, and glacial uh um core samples that go back thousands of years looking at you know carbon sequ- carbon density mm. in the atmosphere temperature things like that you know tree rings also you can use to like mm. track uh climate history yeah. going back thousands of years and so um all of that indisputably demonstrates that the Earth is getting warmer at an accelerated rate, far more so than at any time in our history. And uh, the consequences of that are are significant.
2: But then again, you can get tripped up on some things. For instance, um, when people think that um, when ice sheets break off, they think that that is going to contribute to sea level rise. Well, interestingly, ice that is already on the ocean that doesn't contribute to sea level rise because it's like when you put an ice cube in your, in your drink, the water already, you know, as that ice cube melts, the water level stays the same. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's the melting of land-based glaciers, snowpacks, and, and, and the pulling out of water from our aquifers. Um, that is what is increasing sea level rise. But the most important uh, factor on increasing sea level rise that doesn't get that much attention is that what happens when water is heated up it expands. Like so it's actually the warming ocean temperature that is creating most of our sea level rise. So the
3: ocean itself is, is expanding. expanding. That's the main cause of sea level rise right now.
2: Yeah. So it's so interesting because people don't talk about that. People get hung up on um, debating whether or not, you know, oh, this huge ice sheet broke off. Oh, that's such a shame. And then people come, well, that's not sea level rise. It's like, oh my gosh, people are fighting over the most minute things. Yeah. yeah. When really what we should be fighting about is, how many people are going to be displaced when the sea level does rise? Because it's yeah. rising.
1: And how many people are already displaced?
2: Yeah. Yes, exactly.
0: I have a question about sea level rise too, because again, this is a part of, you know, maybe it's not even just misinformation, but it's misunderstanding the information. And, and it doesn't help when people in certain influential positions are the ones that are giving that wrong information, not unknowingly Some of the times, like even a teacher's in school. And they were talking about before land dinosaurs back in the day when you had all, when you're finding fossils from 500 million years ago. And they said, you go all the way to the top of the Rocky Mountains and that's where you see the best fossils and they're they're fully formed. And these are from all the sea creatures from 500 million years ago. Is that meaning because we've actually had massive water loss or is it just because of mountains growing over billions, over hundreds of millions of years that it's pushed out of the water because I was always in the impression that with climate change, we're yeah. getting more and more loss of
3: water. So, um, in fact, a couple different things, a combination of different things. Uh, I'll do.
2: I'll do the movement.
3: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you like Linda <laughs> me? We'll do this. No, do this.
2: no, no, the movement of the
3: comment. Yes. Okay. So,
2: so <laughs>
3: in in one factor is that during periods of of very warm spells in our atmosphere. Uh, when Antarctica was a continent, it wasn't even covered in ice. I mean, it is a continent, but when it was not covered in ice, it was dry land. When we didn't really have nearly the glacial maneuvers and glacial mass that we have today, the ocean was a lot higher. Uh, and so there were inland seas in places like Colorado, in the middle of you know, Wyoming. There were these right. vast inland seas that because, uh, 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 because the water was higher these long, flat plains that even today are only a few feet above sea level were under several hundred feet of ocean. Mm-hmm. And so areas that are dry now um, have fossils from when they were covered in shallow seas. But mm-hmm. another reason that you might find them at the top of a mountain.
2: Well, and because really, the, we've always had the same amount of water on the planet. Um, once it was fully formed, it's always kind of been the same amount of water it just either was in precipitation, it was either frozen, it was in humidity or things like that. But also, you know, our continents keep moving. I mean, still today, the continents are moving. So everybody uh, probably knows Pangea as like the best, super coolest uh, supercontinent. But actually, there's been a few times that all the continents have come together and left, and we're actually moving towards another supercontinent right now. Uh, I think... Amasia was. Uh, I think Amasia is is, one as, word. So, is like the, the new name they want to. They
1: want to do
3: it. It's essentially a tectonic place. The plates just, just keep going back and forth like mm-hmm. this, right? So mm-hmm. the Atlantic Ocean is growing. The Pacific Ocean right now is shrinking. Mm-hmm. Um, and over time, North America will connect with Asia and create this massive continent and then it'll split apart and spread you know again. So yeah.
2: None of us will be here, obviously. But (laughs) not something
0: any of us have to do. I don't I'm leaving because I I want to witness this in person. I am not leaving. (laughs) Calm down. There's no
3: like new beachfront property being created.
2: No new like our our continents move at the rate of our fingernails growing, which I always just think is fascinating. Like is, your nails is. grow very fast unzipping My nails grow
0: crazy fast. Yeah, that that that's amazing to me though. And that's why so that's very interesting because I remember them telling me that there was the the ocean came right through the middle up th- from Colorado up into Alberta. Yes. And they showed me on on a map that it would this would have all been ocean and here are the wetlands and that's why we have a lot of dinosaurs that's just outside of um, Calgary. There's a place where we go to the to see dinosaurs. Yeah. Right. Museum. Yeah, so that that makes more sense to me now
3: but, and, yeah. and, well and also I should add that as the, the, the continents are colliding you'll have you know the pushing up mountains so you'll yes. have something that was a seafloor yeah that's Over true a couple of million years you get pushed yeah, up get pushed and then you, up. you have a seashell at the top of your mountain and they're like that doesn't make sense how does that it. geologically speaking it, it makes sense <laughs>
0: Yeah, we want to
2: make- it's fun. like <laughs> it that is. was the funnest part about about writing, uh, was just sitting literally, I, I I wrote most of the book from the corner of the, the our bedroom. and just sitting and, and like really like diving into some of these facts it is just fascinating uh, how how our planet works. I mean, it really mm. is truly. It's so You can't make it up. It's so cool. Like, it's give, just us,
0: give us more of these facts. I'd like you just nice and easy. Lay out some of the most cool um, jaw-dropping facts. Uh, let's see here. Okay, so
2: salt water does not kill germs. A lot of people think, or they were probably told by their mothers, like I think I was, that if you have a cut, you should get in the ocean because it'll clean it. Don't do that. Oh. Um, if you have a cut, maybe stay out of the ocean because millions and billions of viruses and bacteria live in the ocean not to scare people from going into the ocean because most of them won't harm you. But you know, if you have a giant, massive gash on your hands, probably better to stay out of the ocean until it's healed.
3: Um, oh, here's a good one. Uh, sometimes we've heard people asking us, you know, some, can some penguins fly? No, all penguins are swimmers. They use, their ber- they use their wings to swim. No penguin can fly. Another one is a lot of people think, um, uh, Ask what's the deadliest? They think like the deadliest oh, yeah. animal in the ocean is like a saltwater crocodile or great white yeah, shark. It's like, it's like a jellyfish. jellyfish. It is. That's right. A yes, box, yes. Jelly, box jellyfish. Yes. Well done. Uh, by far. And I mean I'm talking like, <laughs>
2: like way They'll more really kill they, you. Like
3: they'll kill you in under a minute if enough of their you get enough of the venom from them. Um, So fun things like that. We're like, Um, why
2: is the ocean blue? Some people think it's because the water is blue. Some people think it's because of the reflection from the sky, but that's not true. Water has no color to it. It's clear. Um, But what happens is uh, water absorbs the different wavelengths of light.
3: Mm.
2: And one of the first things to go is red. So it leaves the blues. So our eyes see Mm. the blue, which I've always thought is so cool. But that's why So so when you go diving, uh, old school scuba divers used to just before like depth gauges back in the day, like really early scuba diving, like Philippe's grandfather's time, they would just wear a red ribbon around their wrist. And when the ribbon turned dark purple to black, they knew they were at about 60 60 to 80 feet, 100 feet. Oh, wow. Uh,
3: because Yeah, the red, red light spectrum goes first. And then the last one that I really like, which is always fun to remember, when you're out swimming in the ocean, a lot of people think that salt water is just salty water. It is not. So I always think about that when I'm in the water and I you know, you get a mouthful of salt water. I'm like, ooh, what's all this stuff? I just there? think of the millions the, of
0: creatures and little I've amoebas
1: swallowed. floating
3: around. No, that have been peeing in the ocean the whole time. And I
1: just- And, and yeah. I, like,
2: swallowed. Oh, you were
3: swimming part. in like some massive amounts of amoeba and whale pee all the
2: time. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, but that's cool. <laughs> yeah, you know. as <laughs> <but, you know,
3: laughs> what it says. is. <laughs> so it's, uh, I,
0: I do remember though, time of the ocean uh, color. I, we, I worked in Banff um, up, up in the Rockies oh. Well, uh, when, I, when I was out of high school, it's beautiful up there, but we would have tourists that would come and they know nothing about the mountains or nature and whatnot. And they would ask us, we had this several times where they say, so how often do you paint the bottom of the lakes blue? because it's, it's blue like we've never seen before. And you and, told and, them every and other I month. Said it, yeah, it's, every, it's once, <laughs> once a season. But yeah, they thought we would drain the lakes and then paint them blue and then fill them back up. Or they say, you know, the, the wild animals, like the, the elk, they're like, um, do you bring them in every night to pen them? And then you let them out in the evenings? So it's it's just funny. And these, these are, all, you know, people from big cities and whatnot. And you'd think that they would have that common sense, but people don't have common sense about the planet.
2: It's true. It's Unfortunately, so true. And it,
3: it holds us back from making good decisions then in terms of how best to protect all these things and take care of all these things. And that was the main thing that, you know, that, that we wanted to bring across was this idea that, you know, protecting the ocean is protecting us and caring about the ocean is caring about us. Uh, Sylvia has a great line that says, um, you know, we, we need to protect the ocean like our life depends on it because it does.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, on that note as well, I mean, there is a lot of doom and gloom out there and I think that one thing that I really love with you guys though is you're showing hope, and you talk about hope all the time. So, can you go into a little bit more about what gives you hope?
2: Yeah, I think that you know specifically for for me, and I, I know as well for Philippe, um, when you hear when you hear these stories, and when it's your it's your job every single day to to be thinking about these huge issues, and and you know we have a, a daughter, and we're currently you know constantly thinking about her her future and what that holds for our environment and for her health, it's really scary. But I know that the the first time it really hit me was, you know, I always knew in my heart of hearts, I always understood that nature is resilient. Like I always knew that it was explained to me and I was like, okay, I got it. But it wasn't until I saw it firsthand. And that was when uh, we went out to the Marshall Islands a couple of years ago, which is where the United States did their nuclear testing during the cold war. And in one area specifically, Bikini Atoll, it's where we detonated the largest hydrogen bomb the U.S. has, has ever made, and it—I mean, when they when they actually triggered it, it, the blast was so big the scientists didn't even—they were shocked. They, they really didn't think it was going to be that strong. It vaporized pretty much everything within miles of the blast site. It turned the sand into glass. It was so hot. The actual blast. And so it killed everything, Um, all the species, all the coral, any birds, any fishermen that were in the area, everything died. But we went back just 60 years later. And when we first got in the water, we didn't know what to expect. And I have to tell you, it was one of the most moving and amazing things I've ever seen. We were surrounded by about 70 gray reef sharks um, there was coral, the, some just beautiful, healthy coral as far as you could see. There were giant clams. They were. I mean, it was just a perfect ecosystem. It just so it didn't just recover, it was actually flourishing because it oh. be, had become a de facto marine protected area because mm-hmm. the islands are still radioactive. So to just see from literally going from the worst that humanity can do to anything is like nuclear. Armageddon. Ar- yeah. yeah, it's just yeah. that was such a thing for me that I was like, "Oh my God!" It was like a religious experience. I was like, yeah. "This, mm-hmm. it works. Nature can do it," and and we've seen it all over the world.
3: Yeah, the, I mean, there's a there's a there's a saying from one of the uh, scientists that studied Chernobyl and Pripyat, the town there mm-hmm. the, at Chernobyl that was abandoned after yeah. the explosion, and he said, "You know, between um, nuclear uh, uh, fallout and radiation and humans, humans are worse for nature." Um, and you have, uh, you, but you see a reminder as Ashland said of, of how nature is resilient. And so, you know, there's a lot of, there's new movements going on that we're very involved in called 30 by 30. Um, and that's a belief that the, and, and a campaign to establish and protect 30% of the ocean by the year 2030, there's only around six or 7% meaningfully protected right now, because you know, in the last 40 years, we've lost half the world's biodiversity. So we have a, mm-hmm. as, as you both know, you've met her, um, Vivian, we have a little, uh, little daughter, she's almost two years old. And so in our lifetime, since I was her age, half the biodiversity on this planet has disappeared. Um, so we've got a lot of big problems. And yet we know that if we give nature a time, set special places aside, that nature can be resilient and bounce back. And that's gonna be a fundamental and critical tool in our, in our, in our war against climate change uh, that, that's coming and already happening is giving nature a leg up, giving nature an opportunity to be as healthy as possible. And so those are the kinds of tools that exist that are, are hopeful tools that we know mm-hmm. work. Yeah. And that's the message also we want to bring around to people is that you know when we think about it, and this is you know particularly in, 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 in conversations about conservation and conservations about human health and security and our economic sustainability, like the ocean and the environment is, is, is the foundation of all of those things. So despite all the bad news out there, when we act in certain ways and we leverage some of these types of tools, we can support really good outcomes for the environment and thus for ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, And we can feed more people. We can have cleaner and healthier air. I mean, I think the coronavirus is a great example, right? We were looking here in Los Angeles at like the cleanest air in 50 years because people weren't driving gas guzzling machines all over the the ocean. You could see it in the ocean.
0: You could see I mean, clearly, I
3: remember one day we were up um, hiking And I looked out and I saw this plane taking off and landing. I was like, that's not LAX though. I mean, we could see planes taking off and landing in Orange County from LA. And it's amazing. Like you don't think about what the impact and it's shown how many millions of people have been proven a year die from air pollution, die from, you know, the water pollution issues we have all over this country, not to mention around the world. And so all of these things are connected. But if we give nature a chance it can recover and that's a hopeful message.
2: Well, and there's a, that reminded me of another little fun fact that that I didn't really know until I thought about it and put it into context. Um, if the ocean was a country, um, its GDP, the, the the amount of money it would make every year would make it the seventh largest in the world. So technically when you hear of the G7 summit with the seven largest, you know, countries or the, the countries with the seven yeah. highest GDPs, The ocean should be the last Mm. one at the table. I think it knocks out Brazil. So sorry, Brazil. (laughs) But like, that's how much, you know, that is how important our ocean is. Even if you just want to look at it from a financial standpoint, um, and, and a healthy ocean means that it would make more money, that it would generate more money. It would provide more jobs, provide more food. So it's like, even the cool thing about the ocean is even if you don't care about the environmental impact, which would hurt my heart. But even if you don't, uh, you can still look at it from a monetary perspective. You can look at it from a mm-hmm. safety perspective and you yeah. can look at it from a food perspective. So it's like, really, the, the ocean does everything for us. And, and we just hope that, that more people uh, will, will realize that and, and want to protect it and use it as an ally. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah it's in everyone's best interest too to team up and, and save the oceans. Um, so in addition to supporting organizations like Earth Echo and 30 by 30 campaigns, um, mm-hmm. what can we do individually in our own homes um, to start making small changes, you know, right where we are now?
2: Yeah, I think well there, you know, there's there's two two really big things that we can all do. I think number one is 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 look at our own personal carbon footprint. Um, you know, look at the way that, that you use transportation and then the type of transportation that you use. You know, we're lucky that we live in the middle of everything. We have one car, we walk pretty much everywhere. Yeah, I think we've been driving the car maybe like three miles of like a week um, recently. Um, but that too, you know, what uh, we're going to be building a guest house. So, what kind of appliances are we going to put in there? What kind of insulation are we going to put in our green house?
3: building things yeah. like that? The Which, food that we eat—forty percent of the food on Earth is wasted. So, thinking about what we do with our food, how much food we consume. What we do with that food that we're, you know, I mean, composting, simple things like that, buying local, buying organic, buying from community farms to help support local economies, mm-hmm. um, how we travel, where we go on vacation, the places that we stay. There's a lot of uh, um, this is going to be relevant in the next year because I think we're going to see an explosion of people wanting to get out of their houses. So there's a lot of hotel chains and groups that are really thinking about their carbon mm-hmm. footprints and, and doing mm-hmm. uh, making better choices with that. Um, and also who we vote for, I think is really, really important. we got to vote the ocean. we got to vote the environment and be a Republican or Democrat. We have to send a message to elected officials that these values y- should be universal truths of clean air and clean water are non-negotiable. Like yeah. we yeah. can argue about all sorts of different policies, but we need to protect the ocean. We need to protect our air. We need to protect our water for ourselves and for our children. And so, so who you vote for, what you're eating, how you're building, where you're going on vacation. I mean, really all of our he choices. That we like make. And what's that?
2: Plastic. And plastic. Plastic is another just huge, huge, totally man-made issue that the ocean is facing. Um, We get about 8 million metric tons of new ocean plastic that's entering our ocean every year. That's about uh, one New York City garbage truck every minute, just dumping uh, plastic right into the ocean. So it's just as simple as just every every time you go to the grocery store and and whatever product you need, just try to see if there's a non-plastic alternative. Yeah. Um, no one can be perfect, uh, but everybody can be a little better. So that's just, you know, try not to get takeout as much as possible. Try, which I know has been hard for people right now, especially with, with kids at home. But just just try try to do a little better every day and you'll get there.
0: Which... And do you find from what you've researched too, for example, takeout, Um, I, have actually found a lot of restaurants are now switching over to compostable or they're using different materials like bamboo, uh, or whatnot instead of plastics. What do you find for, uh, for practices in that sense? Or we had a refillery, uh, refillery LA has come and they've filled us up. So we didn't have to do one use plastic toss out. We keep our jars and then they just come and fill us up.
2: We love that. And there's, there's so many companies now that are, that are, and usually they're, that have been started by younger people because they know this need, right? There's, so many new companies that are out there that or or Blue Land that looks at how you how you clean your house. So not only is are the are the bottles, you know, reusable or non-plastic, what's also in the ingredients are non-toxic. Because remember, whatever you put down your drains ends up more or less in the ocean. It ends up in our watershed, but also back into the ocean.
3: And as a storyteller, listen, you're both storytellers, we're storytellers. Sharing these kinds of this kind of information around around the, the dinner table mm-hmm. at your place of work, being an advocate for these kinds of issues in your community—that's another really powerful thing we can do—is become storytellers. So mm-hmm. think about our own choices, what we're buying. Bono said, "Shopping is politics." Think about who we're voting for, and becoming storytellers for a better world.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think everyone can do that. And it's all about having the conversations. I mean, I think we went on for 10 minutes with like cool, fun facts about the oceans that you didn't know. And I think if we continue to have those conversations at the dinner table, who knows what, you know, will become of it when we step outside the door and what uh, how our uh, deci- decisions will be impacted mm-hmm.
0: because of that. Yeah. Well, you, you change, you know, from inspiring somebody by one action that you make, changing one other person's mind to, to make positive change. It's a chain reaction, and I, I think one thing I actually do love with your book too is that, especially the for Dummies series, it makes it approachable for people to learn. Sometimes there are books on the ocean or other important topics that are so overwhelming, and and they're written in a way that is not user friendly. Um, yeah. I love that you really speak to people's heart about this and make it easy to understand.
2: Thank you for saying that because that's exactly the tone we were going for. We want people to be able to sit down and, and not feel like a dummy because honestly, everybody's a dummy about something. Mm-hmm. Even if you're a coral expert, you're not going to maybe know everything about shark anatomy. There, it was either like little kids books or it was books that I would have picked up if I was studying marine biology. So we just yeah. wanted to make it easy to understand, digestible, a little fun um, oh, we
0: hear it. it. We we actually hear the way you speak. We hear it when we're reading this. Even like, <laughs> the, the creepy creatures in there, you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That it made it fun. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. We hope to see you in person soon. And uh, yeah. Yeah. if you want to send us a pop quiz, by the way, on on the oceans, by all means, yeah. send it. I'm impressed. I'm impressed. <laughs> You're
3: definitely doing your homework. Um, we'll have to think of something to do it.
0: Yeah. Yep. I think that's the biggest thing for all of us to remember is that the oceans, when people say that we should support our oceans, it's not just talking about the water out there. It's talking about everything because our oceans, our climate, our trees, our dirt, everything is connected.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's all part of one big ecosystem. Mm -hmm. Anytime we talk to Ashlyn and Philippe, we are blown away. I mean, the first 10 seconds I was schooled. (laughs) First page of of this book, I was schooled because I was like, oh, darn, I, I do feel like a dummy. I, you know, I kept thinking it was several oceans and we talk about that in the conversation, but, um, as we wrap up earth month, our hope is that we don't just have these conversations during the month of April. Every day is earth day. I know that sounds so cliche, but I mean, we are on this planet every day and we want to continue to be, so it makes sense that we start acting like it.
0: Yeah, and I think that that's, if you think of anything that you do in life, anything that is a small, simple thing, but if you keep on doing it, it gets easier and easier, the habit becomes ingrained in you, it's subconscious almost. And so whether it's you know a habit of polluting the planet or a habit of moving into something that's not polluting the planet, I think that's... We can all make a difference.
1: Mm-hmm. We'll Stone steady. We'll link to um, their book, Oceans for Dummies, in our show notes, um, as well as our One Tree Planted fundraiser. Um, help us plant 10,000 trees. Go, go, go. Um, and have an amazing rest of your Earth Month and carry those celebrations to next month.
0: Yeah. And every day. Thank you. Peace out. <laughs> that was me trying to be really calm and like Earth Month calm. <laughs> Peace out everybody.
1: <sighs> it's so funny as we hear like that loud, A loud motorbike motorbike <laughs>
0: And a huge thank you to our homies, Brandon Angelino,
1: Annalie Bell,
0: Hannah Fan,
1: Courtney Ioannis, West Friend, Chris Cobain,
0: Jessica Bryant-Harvey,
1: and Nicole Schachter.
0: Our theme music for At Home is by Victoria Shaw and Chad Carlson.
1: And music is composed and produced by Rick Russo.
0: Thank you so much for listening. And if you do enjoy our podcast, be sure to subscribe and rate us. Always rate us. We love you rating and commenting.
1: Yeah, we actually like your feedback. And to you, thank you.
0: Thank you. Love you.
1: Love you.